Federal records show there have been more than 1.6 million roadside truck inspections through July of this year, with nearly 2.7 million violations of federal truck safety regulations found during these inspections. For both truck drivers and fleets, these violations mean two things, the loss of time and money. However, if you know what the most common violations are, why they are occurring, and simple steps you can take to avoid them, your job as either a driver or fleet manager can be a whole lot easier. This is the Eyes on the Road podcast presented by PrePass Safety Alliance, the provider of PrePass Way Station Bypass and Toll Payment Services, online at prepass.com. I'm Evan Lockridge, and thanks for tuning in. Whether you agree or disagree with many federal rules that govern the trucking industry, the simple fact is you cannot escape them. Even the safest of fleets and drivers can run afoul of trucking regulations, costing both the motor carrier and driver a loss of valuable time, and that translates into less money for both. Also, ignoring trucking regulations can have a much steeper price, with the worst being involved in a deadly crash. Joining me to discuss some of the most common violations of federal trucking rules is Brandon Wiseman, president of TruckSafe Consulting, which is a full-service DOT regulatory compliance consulting and training service, online at trucksafeconsulting.com. Brandon, welcome to Eyes on the Road. Hey, thanks, Evan. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, first, I want to look at driver violations. Now, according to FMCSA, the two most common are speeding 6 to 10 miles per hour over the speed limit and failure to obey a traffic control device, such as running a red light. Now, obviously, the advice here for these is don't speed and don't run red lights. But let's talk about the other most common violations beyond these. What are they and why do they happen? Yeah, so putting aside the typical traffic type violations that you mentioned, the the top driver violations we see are false records of duty status, operating a commercial motor vehicle without a CDL when one is required, and then general form and manner type ELD violations. So those are the top three on the FMCSA's list in terms of of driver-related violations. So what are the solutions to keep these violations from happening? Plus, what are the benefits of doing this for both drivers and fleets? Sure. So in terms of the false records of duty status, that's obviously a, a pretty disconcerting one because, as we all know, log falsification implies some type of cover-up to conceal substantive hours of service violations, which which can lead to fatigue driving, which we want to avoid, obviously. But what I found in practice is that's not necessarily always the case. In other words, drivers aren't getting these violations every time because they're actively trying to conceal an hours of service violation. More often, these false records of duty status stem from usually improper personal conveyance use. Now, personal conveyance is a pretty sticky topic, but suffice it to say, it's a big issue that a lot of drivers and carriers are having to deal with. The FMCSA within the last couple of years has, has changed its guidance on personal conveyance. And so my recommendation is that drivers and carriers uh, take a closer look at that guidance. If you just Google FMCSA personal conveyance, it'll pop right up. Make sure you understand the guidance. They give some pretty good examples of what qualifies as proper personal conveyance use and what doesn't. Then follow that guidance so you don't get yourself into trouble. Because again, more often it's just a situation where drivers misunderstand that rule or that guidance more so than actively trying to conceal a, a hours of service violation. So take a look, closer look at that if you need even even more help on that. We've got some free resources on the topic on our website. In terms of next up on the list, the operating without a CDL, we typically see this in a few different 
situations. The first is when a driver is operating a vehicle or a combination of vehicles that they don't even realize requires a CDL in the first case. So for example, if the driver is used to operating like a, a Ford F-250 that you know, by itself wouldn't require a CDL to operate, but then that driver puts on a trailer that causes the combination of those two vehicles to exceed 26,000 pounds. Now, all of a sudden that driver needs a CDL to operate that combination. So that's a pretty common scenario that, that pops up um, and results in those violations. Another one's for drivers who already hold a CDL, but for one reason or another, that CDL gets downgraded. For, you know, common examples are, the driver doesn't timely renew his or her medical card and the CDL gets downgraded because of that, or the driver fails to pay child support and the CDL gets downgraded because of that. Sometimes these things happen and the driver doesn't even receive notice of the fact, you know, they're out on the road and so they don't get the notice in the mail. One way that motor carriers at least can, can tackle this issue, and it's one that I recommend to most of my clients, is that they subscribe to a continuous license monitoring service. There, there's several vendors out there who offer this now where the vendors will continuously monitor the driver's license status. And it really prevents the situation where a driver's out on the road operating with a, with a downgraded CDL. So the form and manner, uh, this is one issue that's very easy to correct, but it happens a lot where a driver will get stopped roadside and the officer will be reviewing either paper logs if the driver's exempt from the ELD mandate or the electronic logs if they're not. And there will be required information on, on the records of duty status that's missing. Things like the carrier's DOT number, the, the driver's mileage for the day, um, shipping number for, for the shipment at issue, the, the truck number, things like that are technically required to be on the log, but sometimes it just slips the driver's mind because they're more worried about the substantive parts of the of the records of duty status, things like the number of hours in a particular duty status, which is understandable, but you can't ignore those other minor things that have to be on the on the record of duty status as well. And if you ignore those things, that's inevitably going to lead to violations during roadside inspection. So it's just a matter of making sure you're completely filling out the logs each and every day um, and, and going over them, making sure you've hit on all of the required fields so that you can avoid those violations. You mentioned personal conveyance, Brandon. What's the biggest problem you see with drivers using it? The interesting thing about personal conveyance is it's not actually a regulation. So, and this is why we have such a big problem with it. It's contained within the FMCSA's regulatory guidance. And so that guidance, if you look it up, it gives probably eight or 10 examples of proper personal conveyance use, and then eight or 10 examples of improper personal conveyance use. I would say the ones that most frequently lead to violations for improper personal conveyance use are situations where a driver is enhancing the operational readiness of the motor carrier by getting closer, by driving closer to the next pickup point. So take this example. Let's say a driver has finished up unloading for the day and is going to stay at a hotel that evening before they, they start on the next day and, and go to the next pickup point. Well, if you as the driver have finished unloading and you you look at your map and you realize that there are hotels that get you closer to your next pickup point the following morning. You can't log 
the driving time to get to that hotel point as personal conveyance because you are enhancing the carrier's operational readiness for the load the next morning. So the FMCSA considers that to be driving time, not personal conveyance. So take a step back, just think intuitively about this. And what I am doing right now is my driving time working to the motor carrier's benefit even if that's just getting them ready for the next day's work. If the answer to that question is yes, you need to log that time as driving rather than personal conveyance, because otherwise that's going to lead to a violation of a false record of duty status when in fact you just misunderstood the guidance on that topic. Next, I want to look at vehicle violations. What are the top ones and why are they happening? Yeah, so if you look at the list of the top roadside vehicle violations, you'll see at the very top of the list are inoperable lamps, so burned out light bulbs. Uh, Next up is operating without proof of an annual inspection in the vehicle. And then third on the list is uh, brakes out of adjustment. So those are the top three. So vehicle violations, there's really no secret to why these are happening. It's just a matter of drivers usually not spending enough time doing a proper pre-trip inspection because a lot of these violations are are of the variety that can be discovered during a full pre-trip inspection. So inoperable lamps is the perfect example. You know, usually it's not a situation where you're you start driving and they and they burn out on you uh, while you're driving. I mean that can happen. Obviously, you know, as the vehicle's moving, it can you know, some of the connections can can become disconnected. Obviously, but more often than not that light bulb was burned out before you started moving the truck. And so the solution to that, obviously, is making sure you're doing a full uh, pre-trip inspection. If you're a carrier, you can audit this by looking at your driver's logs each day and making sure that you see a full 15 minutes worth of pre-trip inspection time logged as on duty, not driving. So I would say that's usually going to be the solution to most of the vehicle problems is conducting a thorough pre-trip inspection. And I mean, some of these things are easy enough to check, even if we're not talking about a a full pre-trip inspection. If if you're fueling the vehicle, for example, it's easy enough to do a quick walk around to make sure that the lamps are all still working. And if not, then, then have some of those bulbs in your truck that you can, that you can fix right there on the spot. That will avoid most of those lamp issues. As for the annual inspection, um, this is another simple fix. It's, It's literally a violation for not having that piece of paper in the truck with you. You know, all commercial motor vehicles have to be inspected at least annually, and whoever is performing the inspection, whether it be a commercial garage or a state inspection facility, they will give you a copy of the annual inspection report. You've got to make sure if you're a driver that you're getting a copy of that back to the motor carrier, but you also need to keep a copy of that. Or some states issue an an inspection sticker instead of a instead of the actual report, you need to make sure you have evidence of that annual inspection with you on the truck so that when you get pulled over for a roadside inspection, you can show evidence of that inspection to the officer. And that will help you avoid those violations uh, going forward. And then lastly, we talked about brakes being out of adjustment. This is an issue where you just need to make sure that you're having um, having the vehicle uh, properly maintained. The, if you're a carrier, you need to have a good 
preventative maintenance program in place where your all of your vehicles are being inspected at whatever schedule you set up and then brakes are being checked for for adjustment and and being fixed if that's an issue looking at both the driver and vehicle violation categories brandon are there certain violations that are not as common but are still very troublesome to you there are certainly other violations that are not as common but cause me a lot of heartburn and cause motor carriers a lot of heartburn. And these are typically issues that are so easy to resolve that there's just no excuse for them to happen in the first place. The one that comes immediately to mind on the driver side of things is failing to have certain key documents in the cab of the vehicle. So this is especially true for drivers who are using ELDs. A lot of times you'll see a roadside inspection report that lists three violations and they are this is almost like clockwork it's going to be a violation for the driver failing to have a copy of the eld instruction manual in the cab of the vehicle failing to have a copy of the eld transfer instructions in the vehicle and then failing to have a blank supply of paper logs in the vehicle so the eld rule says you've got to have those three things you've got to have a blank supply of paper logs in case your eld quits working uh, and you need to have at least eight days worth of blank paper logs in the truck with you and then the regulation requires you to have a copy of your eld instruction manual that manual can be either print it out or it can be electronic on the device itself. But if it's electronic, you need to know how to access it and show it to the officer. And then lastly, you need to have your instructions for how to transfer ELD data over to the officer. Those are the three things you, the ELD rule says you got to have in the cab with you. Those are three exceedingly common violations that happen roadside that are easy to fix. It's just a matter of making sure you got those documents and making sure you know where they are and how to access them. I would say on the vehicle side of things, you know, you see a lot of tire violations, which are concerning, obviously, because if you've got issues with your tires, you risk blowing them out and, and causing a, a serious accident. So again, there's there's really not much to say on that point other than to make sure you're doing thorough pre-trip inspections, checking tread depth, looking for leaks, et cetera, and then making sure you as the motor carrier have a good preventative maintenance program in place to, to check for those issues and resolve them. Brandon, a lot of the violations that we've discussed here happen to have serious consequences, I would think, especially when it comes to scores with FMCSA safety programs such as PSP, CSA, and SMS, correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, sometimes carriers that I work with think, okay, my driver got roadside violations but didn't receive a state citation, so I'm good to go. There's nothing to really worry about. It's kind of a warning, and so I can just ignore it. But that is short-sighted because even though those violations didn't lead to a citation, and so you're not going to have a court date or or state penalties or anything like that, those violations, if they're driver or vehicle related, are still going to impact that motor carrier's CSA scores and also end up on the driver's PSP report. And so on the carrier side of things, obviously CSA scores have uh, are very important to motor carriers because they can lead to enforcement action by the FMCSA or its state partners in the form of a compliance review or warning letters or uh, more frequent roadside inspections. So, so it has a big regulatory impact on you. So there's still uh, a reason to address those. And then more importantly, those scores can also increase your exposure 
uh, in the context of highway accident litigation. So if you've got bad CSA scores because of all of the roadside violations you've incurred, that can make you more of a target to these types of nuclear verdicts that we're seeing being lodged against motor carriers. And then also they can impact your business. So um, a lot of shippers and brokers are looking at CSA scores for their motor carrier partners and, and don't want to do business with carriers that have high scores. So those are all good reasons for motor carriers to, to check these violations and how they're impacting their CSA mm -hmm. scores. And then on the driver side of things as well, uh, these are all getting put on your PSP report. So if you are applying for a job with a new motor carrier that happens to be looking at the PSP report, they're going to see all of these violations and that may preclude them or, or cause them to have concern with with you as a driver for their fleet. So you obviously have an incentive to uh, to avoid these violations, even if you're not getting cited for them uh, and have to go to court to deal with them. That is Brandon Wiseman, president of TruckSafe Consulting. You can find him online at trucksafeconsulting.com. Brandon, thanks very much for being on Eyes on the Road. Thanks for having me, Evan. It was great. Now, you can find more information about these violations Brandon and I talked about. Just Google the term FMCSA analysis and information online. Now, that should take you to their website where you can see numbers from FMCSA on the most common truck regulation violations. While you're online, remember to check out the PrePass blog and resource library at prepass.com. Also, keep up with PrePass on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. I'm Evan Lockridge. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep your eyes on the road.